This is Petticoat Rule, a program about musical productivity examined through the storytelling lens of women in the music industry. I'm your host, Erica Lang, and let me introduce producer Tara Molesworth. Hello. And our guest today is Abby Gross. Hello. about as hardworking a musician as they come, making her whole living through music education and performance. Her main axe is the sax, though I've seen her tune a flute here and there, and I can personally attest to her tremendous talent as I have enjoyed her impressive solos for years before I ever said hello. Her solos have the flavor of tobacco and bourbon as if conjured from the ether of dimly lit jazz clubs. She performs them with such confidence and ease that it appears instinctual, the melodic sequences like an audible transcription of her DNA. That's how thorough her musical knowledge and intuition are. She is currently enjoying a meteoric rise as an integral part of the Pittsburgh soul rock band, The Common Heart, who recently returned from a two-week run of shows opening for the massively popular nationally touring act J.J. Gray and Mofro. At the same time, she is never shy to take side gigs or donate her time to students. Even the handful of times I've had the opportunity to play alongside her, I've learned a great deal from her ebullient presence and her affable explanations of anything that started out over my head. Her natural way of being reminds me that passion is more important than, and also a prerequisite to, success. She is our first guest that is a horn player, and I'm super excited to talk to her about the dues she's put in, the action-packed adventures she's had in the past year, and what excitement the future has in store for her. So let's get to it. Abby, welcome to the show. Thank you. The whole time I was trying so hard not to talk. <laughs> so I was like, oh, wow, that's so nice. That's okay. You can wow, have reactions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was great, though. I don't think anyone has ever described my solo and s- soloing in such a way that made me so happy. Oh, good. That's great. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I I wrote that fresh out of to creative writing classes and it must have been stuck in me and I was like oh it's like the smoke of the atmosphere is embedded in her music and definitely bourbon yeah for sure yeah the bourbon I was like the bourbon is (laughs) a key there (laughs) Mm, so yeah so they're I mean they're really um like you're really it makes you make it seem so effortless somehow thank you you know it's just somehow you (laughs) Somehow, but I'm sure that you actually have done like crazy amounts of work to be where you are too. So um, I just wanted to start out by talking about how you came to be the musician you are today 
And, um, and I know you went to music school and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, but even before that, like when you were little, how did it start? Well, um, I guess the very first thing could probably be my great grandmother who I was very close to, um, up until her passing actually two years ago was a church organist for, her basically since she was a teenager and all throughout her life. And so she had a really, really cool organ in her house and also an upright acoustic piano. And I did what almost all kids do, and I would just mess around on it. But I loved it so much. So The organ has such an incredibly rich sound. I mean, that's cool to have access to. Yeah. And it's, you you see all the different settings that you can use and. Oh yeah. All those rods and knobs or whatever. And difference. It's like, it's like seeing a synthesizer for the first time, but you can push a button and make it sound like a flute, you know? Wow. That's crazy. So, so, uh, (laughs) is that what those buttons do? Well, they, she, I don't know, maybe this organ was a different kind of organ because there were some different settings that you could do to, I guess, get the way that the air moved through the pipes, I guess, made it kind of sound like that. And now thinking back on it, the, if there was a setting that I would put on, sometimes it didn't sound like it said on the button. Sure. I mean, like, uh, there was a time before those sounds didn't. They didn't really sound like the sound. Like not we've gotten all. a lot better at. Oh, it's so much. It's still not. Thing. It's still not the same. We'll never replace a real human being, but yeah. But it's way better. <laughs> yeah, way way better. Way better. Yeah. So when you started, you didn't start with all of that regimentedness. Mm-hmm. You started already in a freer space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I guess then it's no surprise that you gravitated into the jazz realm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Did you pick sax first or I what? I pretty much did. Yeah. Wow. I How I had old? a uh I would have been 9. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, little. fourth grade. It was the, you know, a, you get the choice to sign up for orchestra mm-hmm. in third grade. Didn't really want to do that. Uh, I don't know why. I think orchestra is wonderful. But I because just, of at the strings time. and stuff. I, it, well, and my, it was kind of, my mom sort of implanted into me too. She kept saying, you know, if you play a string instrument, you can't march in the parades. Mm. And at that age, that sounded like a pretty bad deal. So you're like, I want to march. I, I want to march in those parades. So yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's good motivator. It, it is. Well, and then I, so I went to sign up for band and the even better motivator was that I was told when I was a senior in high school, which was going to be many years from then, I'd get to go to Disney World. Wow, so I what a certainly, carrot. I actually almost quit once, and I gotta say, it was Disney World that kept you that going. Kept me going. <laughs> wow. The very sad part of this story is that I never actually did get to go when oh, I was a senior. Oh no. In fact, my first time at Disney World was two years ago. I was 27. No. <laughs> did you feel. Like, it was just a little weird as an adult. Oh, no. You liked it? Oh, I loved it. Oh, I loved it. It oh, was man. fantastic. I highly recommend it. to <laughs> if, if, if anyone has never gone as a child and you're wondering, let me tell you here right now, <laughs> it is magical. Wow. And wonderful. What age or what, what grade were you in high school when you said, I'm going to do this for like, I'm going to go to school for this? Um, I think it was a, around the end of my junior year, going mm-hmm. into my senior year. That's sort of crunch time for everybody. And, you know, how it is at that age, 
you're being given advice from all kinds of places. You know, go, go to something for money, go to something for, because you love it. Do this because you will always find a job in this. Mm -hmm. Do, and it was, it's an extremely overwhelming time for a young adult. And now being a teacher, I, I see it and I just feel so compelled to try. And I guess maybe I'm one of those advice givers, extra advice givers, but I, you know, sometimes when you hear it from the perspective of just a a teacher or something, not a family member, it's a little bit more just realistic Mm -hmm. and, are you the follow your heart advice giver? Oh, I'm def uh, I'm I'm definitely the follow your heart advice giver. My first piece of advice though is always try to go for free. Yeah. If you can get as many scholarships sure. as you can, do not try your hardest to not get into any kind of debt or the least amount as possible. Students who are struggling with I I want to do this, but my parents want me to do that mm-hmm. or whatnot, I always lean towards you have to do what you want to do because I've seen I've seen firsthand too many people be really upset with where they end up. I'm I'm the opposite. And a lot of people it makes me feel kind of bad sometimes, but a lot of people are envious of the fact that I do get to do something that I really truly enjoy. Yeah. And Like, look where you are at the age that you are mm -hmm. and how much your future, how bright your future is because Mm -hmm. of the opportunities that you um, partake. Right. And I'm extremely lucky, extremely lucky. So you went to Duquesne. Yes. And you have degrees in music education and music performance. Correct. Mm -hmm. Um, When you were doing the music education degree, or I mean, I guess either way, like, did you have to play other instruments too in addition to the sax? Yes. You do piano and voice and everything. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. First two years there, you have a, depending on, you actually have to test for your level. Mm -hmm. So when you audition on, to actually even get into the school, you audition on your instrument, you take a music theory test, and then you actually take a piano test. Luckily though, you, you literally don't have to have any skills on piano. Uh, They just need to know, do we place you in the beginner's class or do you get placed in and more advanced class. Well, I, I got into the beginner's class because even though I knew a little bit, I still needed those fundamental fundamentals. So mm-hmm. that was for the first two years. Vocal classes happened for the first couple of years. And then you start to do technique classes, mm-hmm. uh, woodwind techniques and brass techniques, and then string String essentials. Basically. Is that for the education or for the performance? Or That's both? for education. Okay. For yeah. education. Because mm-hmm. you need to be able to, they're preparing you to teach any, Every, anything. 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 Mm-hmm. And you have taught kindergarten, right? Yes. You have taught high school. Yes. You've taught probably adults. Yeah. I uh, also work at Chatham oh, okay. part time. So yeah. mm-hmm. when you teach, kindergartners is it like the recorder <laughs> uh not quite at that point recorder usually is a good third grade oh okay um, activity and yes i've done that it's, it's, that's always an interesting experience i actually really secretly <laughs> love the recorder and um you have to hide it from me because i'll just play it all that's great that's, yeah yeah why not well you know what 
if you play it through like a vocal effects pedal, it starts to sound really good. There you go. See? I'm not even lying. I mean, I think, who cares? Hone it. Hone it. Make it a thing. (laughs) Bring it back. Uh, bring it. Yes, I'm going to bring it back. The recorder. Yeah, bring the recorder back. Love it. 2018. Yeah. <laughs> the year of the recorder. Exactly. Showing third graders everywhere that this has a utility. Exactly. See, they love it. Now they just need to know where they can use it. Yeah. So what do you do with kindergartners? Clap exercises and stuff? Basically, it's very much Rhythm. helping them establish a steady beat mm-hmm. and, and understand what that is. Yeah. And... It's it's really important, actually, I think, as, uh, teaching these essentially still babies. To me, they're yeah. still little babies. Some of them are like six years old. Some of them are around six years old. Oh, my gosh. they're It's it's so funny to think that they've only been alive for that many years. Mm-hmm. So they're babies. But, yeah. but some of the things that they know and they come up with, oh, my gosh. It's it's a it's a, like kind of a hilarious job. Yeah, <laughs> it's tough. Do they get it? Is a, it hard to teach them? Or? No, they they definitely get it. Especially because a lot of what you're teaching them, you get you get through to them by playing games. Yeah, teaching them songs that have games that go along with them. Mm-hmm. Playing instruments that aren't you know classroom instruments are basically rhythm sticks, little chintzy cymbals, mm-hmm. and things like that. But if they're playing it and learning how to play along, even just the beat to a song, it they love it. And is the music education degree, do they teach you, here's some games you can play with yeah. kindergartners? Actually, yeah. We, we had a class where one of our assignments was to come in and, and we actually would teach our class a game oh. as if our colleagues were in kindergarten <laughs> and That's so that fun. yeah it was it definitely uh it wasn't too realistic because <laughs> i i personally wanted to take on the persona of a five-year-old for those ah, lessons but i was never allowed and i never wanted to go method that. acting style exactly i think we should have i wanted to get up 50 times to walk to the door <laughs> for no reason that's what happened yeah right? <laughs> absolutely i wanted to use their shirt as my tissue oh so funny <laughs> Oh, my God. I love that. Uh, Have you played every kind of saxophone that there is? No, I haven't. Wow, really? Really. What's um, missing? uh, I haven't gotten a chance to play the Sopranino yet. Is that a very, very, very tiny? It's it's smaller than soprano. It's is it the smaller than one. a recorder. Is it a recorder? Yeah. Is it just a recorder? It's basically. It's, when <laughs> I say reed. sopranino, I mean the recorder. Yeah, <laughs> it's a recorder. With no, a no, 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 no. Don't. Yeah, there, if there are any crazy saxophone people listening, I'm just yeah. kidding. I'm just kidding. They're yeah, out I don't there. want you to get in trouble. They're out there. The other one, there's a double contrabass saxophone. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Not the bass. Not the contrabass because I have played that. So it's wait, is huge. Baritone smaller than both of those. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you go. That's like a huge it's, to the floor. Kinda. It's too. It's absolutely to as the tall floor. As you. It's as tall. Yeah. The the instrument itself, and it really it's just wow. a. It's basically an effect. Yeah. At that point, it's so low. <laughs> and then is it like you just gotta have like a really big breath? Basically, <laughs> like yeah, <sighs> big big tuba. Yeah. Tuba breath. Tuba breath. Yeah. Some tuba breath. Tuba breath. Mm-hmm. See, you would think of it like that because you've had all this experience with all these different It's That's true. I played the tuba a little bit. You've had to play the tuba. Mm-hmm. What other instruments haven't you gotten to play through all your experience? 
Have you played the bassoon? I have played the bassoon. Oh, cool. I played bassoon for a year in high school. Oh, actually. you're a pro. Absolutely not. Nope. <laughs> mm -mm, no way. <laughs> what about the oboe? I have played the oboe for uh, actually, um, uh, I played it for a musical one year. Wow. It was an a experience. Uh, uh, uh. Again, not a pro. Again, no. I, um, I, I don't know how I get these uh, opportunities, but I take them. Oh, man. I if just people give them. me an instrument, I got to try it. Yeah. I got to. And I, I, what I really want to try right now is a French horn. Oh, yeah. I just yeah. like the idea of, like, an instrument you have to fist, you know? Yes. Like, I know that sounds, like, really dirty, but it's, like... But it is It is what it is. It's what it is. And you then, literally, you fist it. So when you were in high school, you you did the marching band, I guess. I did. I did do the marching band. I marched in those parades. That's awesome. Did not play a string fun. instrument. So did you do the thing on the football field when you, like, go in the sure crazy did. shapes and stuff? Oh, yeah. I miss that stuff. I mean, it, I... I don't miss it, <laughs> but, uh, but it was really good for that time in my life. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I wouldn't want to continue. No. And that much. for me, I, people who end up teaching marching band, man, give them a hug. Yeah. If you see one, just give them a big hug because it's, it's a 24 seven job of something that I just would never want to be in charge of. Yeah, I loved being part of it, but I would not want to be in charge of it. Yeah, it's kind of an intense activity. Extremely intense. Um, yeah, it's just a little too much. But uh, then you also probably did like all state type of competitions and yep. stuff. Mm -hmm. PMEA. What's that? Pitts or uh, Pittsburgh? Pff, I'm such a Pittsburgher. <laughs> Pennsylvania uh, yeah, <laughs> Music Educator. Exactly. P uh, Pennsylvania Music Educators Association. Uh -huh. So uh, pretty much every state has one. And they host the first, it starts out at the district level, then it mm -hmm. goes to regional, then state. Mm -hmm. And it's basically you go and you audition to be in these ensembles that end up, as you go up the line, becoming really pretty advanced for the age that you actually are because mm -hmm. it's the best of the best all coming together and playing extremely difficult and great repertoire mm -hmm. uh, and for concert band for chorus orchestra and jazz band wow which jazz was all, of course my yeah that was yeah. my favorite one that's great um so were you like completely set up when you went to go do your audition for Duquesne you were just like I got all this stuff <laughs> Uh, well, I may have thought that at the time, <laughs> but I can tell you, no, oh my gosh, I did not. I, I had a great teacher that I started studying with two years before my audition, but two, two years to study privately and still not quite be as serious as maybe I should have been. Mm -hmm. It, it got, it got me in and that's, the, that's it. I see. It literally just got me in the door. Uh, when I ended up starting there we had to re-audition for ensembles i didn't even make it into the symphonic oh wow ensembles or anything uh -huh. i was literally at the bottom of the studio you got your ass kicked i certainly got my ass kicked and, and i knew did it. that motivate you then? oh yeah yeah I, it it was very discouraging at first of course mm -hmm. especially when you go from being arguably at the, you know, first chair in high school. So sure. you're quote you think unquote you're the good. best. Yeah. You think you're pretty great for being the best in 
you know, the small rural town in Pennsylvania. Yeah. And and then you get to the big city uh-huh. and you meet all of these people from all over who just play circles around you. Yeah. And they have been for years. You got to just play catch up for a while. Yeah. And that's what I did. I played catch up for years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when did you start to feel confident like uh like it sounds like maybe you had some self-doubt and mm-hmm. because you're comparing yourself to these incredible people and then and now it seems like you're like just like doing the thing and it's like <laughs> easy and and I don't know if you experience self-doubt now but you know I think probably everybody does oh yeah um but the musicians curse <laughs> it's the musicians curse. for sure yeah so I guess maybe if you would talk a little bit about your self doubt now and like when you first started when you started to feel a transition mm-hmm. from like playing catch up to like okay i I'm on top of things now mm-hmm. well, probably when it took me about two years to feel like I did catch up to people around me in that studio and the the moment I realized that I I had is when I was put into we had saxophone quartets at Duquesne. The studio was we had maybe at least twenty people in the studio, and we would be divided into quartets, meet three times a week, and we had a coaching once a week. So it was a very serious commitment, and uh, it was an, an incredible learning experience because. Your your one voice in a very small exposed setting, so that was invaluable for my musicianship. But I was put in. I had been in the low, quote unquote lowest quartet. Yeah, we never had rankings, but you knew. But you knew. You yeah. knew. Right. You know, it's like like you know clicks at school. Like yeah. you know who the nerds are. Yeah. <laughs> you know who's popular. You know. Yeah. There's yeah, no. Yeah. 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 So. I was put into the quartet that had two graduate students. So at that point, ah. you know, as an undergraduate, you you know that you're doing something right. And when I that was my junior year, and when I became a senior, I started to freak out oh. because I was about to graduate with a music ed degree and naturally the next step was to just go find a job. And I I was kind of I guess maybe I just knew that I wasn't where I wanted to be mm. and in my playing. Oh, yeah. I, I knew it was it was fine, but I wanted to be I just wanted to be better. And I knew that if I just went and got a job right then and there, probably would not really work towards it anymore. And I didn't want that to be the end of my journey playing the saxophone. Mm-hmm. So then I I ended up getting the assistantship at Duquesne uh as the woodwind woodwind graduate assistant oh so that would like was basically a scholarship basically yeah and it, and it was it covered my entire tuition oh awesome yes yeah it was, it was great and so I did that for two years and in those two years is when I really feel like I became comfortable doing this mm-hmm. and a lot of it was because that's when I started to get gigs right mm-hmm. plus uh, like as having that role as in the assistantship I mean mm-hmm. I guess you probably had to was that a teaching thing or uh that particular one wasn't but you still you were still immersed ba- you were immersed and you were in the you were the top player in all the ensembles yeah. and you had all of these other 
undergraduate students really looking to you. Uh-huh. So it was also for, for me anyway, I took it as very, I need, I need to basically be really serious about yeah. this instrument because I want them to see that. And I want to be that you have like a responsibility yes. kind of yeah. to do that. And you lived up to the mm-hmm. challenge best I um, could. <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously you did yeah. a great job. Oh, thank you. I mean, you played all around town with all these cool cats, mm-hmm. Roger Humphreys and Dwayne Dolphin oh, and yeah. Tony Campbell. And probably you can enumerate mm-hmm. so many other amazing musicians you've played with all over the city. And I mean, that's, that's where I first started seeing you. Just like mm-hmm. I go to some place and you'd, you'd be there playing and I'd be like, who's that girl? <laughs> um, do you, just as a side note, like, um, I feel like of the jazz sax players in the city, I feel like there's a lot of women. Yeah, there, I mean, there are quite a few female saxophonists here and it's, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah, it's because really, it's, it's not that common at all, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, like nationally, it's not that common. No, yeah, nationally, it's pretty, pretty rare. Yeah, there. I mean, there are some great. Don't get me wrong. There are some great representatives out there mm-hmm. as, for female saxophonists, but when you look at the numbers of male versus female, I mean, it's extremely balanced. Towards hmm. there's so many more male. Yeah. And, and in Pittsburgh, yeah, there are quite a few female. I think that's kind of cool. It is. Is, it, uh, is there like a sense of competition or is it uh, like more of like a stick together, got to stick together kind of a well, thing? Well, I, I think that initially when I first started going to school here in Pittsburgh and the first few years I lived here, I, I think it was a bit of a competitive thing simply because the mindset in college, or at least when I was there, was very competitive. It yeah, was, I mean, it sets you up to be kind of cutthroat. The yes. Chairs and, and right. getting evaluated on subjective right. and, terms. And it's, you know, if, you, if you're competing with someone because they play the saxophone in particular that you want to be the best at, there's that reason. And then you've also got, you know, maybe a girl playing the saxophone. And, well, that's another thing that you have in common with them. So you naturally feel like you need to compete with them. Mm-hmm. And it is rare. And you you start to first feel maybe it's rare because there isn't enough room for all of us. And so I need to be the right. one. Uh-huh. And then you you get out there into the real world. And I have to, I have to say that um, Yoko Suzuki yeah. was probably the the one who really... I was like, no, that's not the case. There aren't only a certain amount of roles for us. We just need to make them. Right. They aren't they aren't there right now just because we haven't made them. Uh-huh. It's not because there's only room for a couple of girls in this. Yeah. And yeah, she really was the first one to sort of help me see that and kind of get me into the mindset of, no, we've got to band together on this and support mm-hmm. each other. Was there a thing that you almost did instead of music or like back when you made that decision to go? My polar opposite of what I do now and go where the money is advice was pharmacy. Ah, <laughs> pharmacist, Abby. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I can see you oh, measuring no. out pills and... oh. I don't know Put, why putting together enemas I have, for old people. Yeah, I mean, actually, that probably would have been the part of the job I enjoyed. You know, <laughs> the enema, the enemas. Yeah, 
Oh, you know, they are pretty great. Everyone should try it. <laughs> it's it's so good for you. I'm really glad that I did not go yeah. that route. Yeah, I mean, you seem to have such a fulfilling moment right now mm-hmm. um, with what's going on. So let's talk about the Common Heart stuff right. for a second. When did you get involved with them? Uh, originally, the saxophone... Well, originally, there were no horns. Mm-hmm. And then... The WDVE Christmas show that happened, I think it was, it would have been the one two years ago now. Nate Insko, who still plays trumpet with us, and Elise Louise, who played saxophone, they played a few songs with them for that show, and Clinton loved having horns, so. Who doesn't? Exactly. So he initially hired them. And Elise got extremely busy. She's, well, at the time she was traveling on cruise ships and Mm -hmm. and gigging that way. And she needed a sub for quite a few gigs. And she called me, which I even to this day very greatly appreciate that she did that. And I subbed for them a few times and really got along with them, really loved playing with Nate, loved the music, and basically told them and her Consider me an, a sub anytime. Like, I would love to play with you guys anytime you need me. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that she ended up getting a little too busy with those things, which was good. That's what her goal always was. And mm-hmm. she she made it happen to know, travel internationally. Like living and, in other and countries yeah, and playing the horn. Yeah, she, she had some really good gigs come out, yeah, out of the country and went for it. And now she, yeah, she, she resides in Norway. Yeah. And you kind of got to know what you're doing to be able to just m- not only move to go move, but to go to play music. It's pretty yeah. cool. And so Clinton, you know, as soon as they kind of figured out that she was essentially going to have to step down mm-hmm. from uh, the gig, he immediately reached out to me and I there was no hesitation. Sealed the deal. Yeah, and so that was about the the sealing of the dealing, if you will. Yeah. Uh-huh. Was probably probably like last October ish, kind uh-huh. of. So I guess it's been it's it's been a year and a half. It's coming on two years since I started playing with them in general. Wow. So mm-hmm. cool, and you love it. Oh, I love it. You get a chance to do a lot of solos. Well, it actually not. Too much, not too many solos, but I do get featured in a song where I get a pretty nice moment yeah. to uh, <laughs> to get up there and play for people, and it's it's awesome. And show off your shiny horn and your shiny silver shoes. Oh yeah, I gotta have you gotta have shiny. Yeah, it's gotta be very. You shiny. gotta be super shiny. <laughs> um, so now, now I as I said before, you guys have been opening for. JJ Gray and mm-hmm. MoFro, you're going back out with them again. Yep, soon. That's yeah, less than a week. So great, actually, less than a week. Yeah. That's so amazing. Um, what's it like to get into uh, that level of a tour? Like that's definitely like next level. Yeah, oh, place. For, you know. Yep. So it's poised to break out. Kind of location. Of yeah. The yeah. Band. It's yeah. I, I, we we have been working with our managers for almost a year now and had no idea what anything was going to look like or what it was going to mean. All we knew was that we probably needed a vehicle, yeah. a big vehicle. You got to have a so van. So we got a big van 
The love and I passion. I actually have demon. in my notes here. All in a van? Question mark. That's <laughs> <laughs> in my notes to ask you. Caps. Like, Tell me about the van. Question. Oh my yeah. gosh. So Ruthie is our van. Oh, oh okay. And, yeah. I was so going to be like, oh my Ru- God, what van number is that? Wait, who's like, Ruthie? I know. <laughs> Look, Ruthie should be considered an, an essential part of the common heart. She gets sure. us to and from. Yeah. We would be nothing without her. Yeah. And yeah, so, uh, so we get this van and we get sent out to do a couple of short tours, got to literally travel across the country last mm-hmm. August. This is independent of... This was independent yeah. of J.J. Gray. And this was sort of just to send us to random festivals, get our name out there a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, in our in July, we did a tour where we did sync up with J.J. for one gig. We mm-hmm. opened for him at Kent, uh, in Kent, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And we had a great time hanging out with them. Uh, we we stayed for their show and we took them out for drinks afterwards, which mm-hmm. is always a great way yeah. to lubricate things. Yes, exactly. You know, you gotta you gotta be able to hang. Yeah, that's that's Networking. step one. Yeah, that's step one. So they told our managers who they are they're under the same management that they wanted us to support them in October. So we went out with them for two weeks. So the so JJ Gray. Mm-hmm. The musicians said to their dude, "Yes, get those guys." They were like, "Hey, we know you were thinking about putting them with us in October. We just played with them slash hung out with them. Uh huh. Get a, yeah. Let's say yes to this. Yeah. Let's give it a try. So we went out with them for two weeks in October. Wow. And everything was everything was great. We had a great time with them, and they li- they liked that so much." That as soon as the tour was over, they contacted our managers and said, "Let's do it." Again. We we loved this. Yeah. Please, anytime you want to put them on our stuff, let's do this. And in less than a week, we're going to do it again with them. They like our Abby to the Common Heart. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Like how you were like, huh. Clint, put me on any gig you want. Oh, yeah. DJ Gray was like, Is put them on any gig. Trying to get with a common heart. Want. Exactly. <laughs> Ex- that's, man, I see what you deep. did there. Zap, zap. It's so deep. <laughs> when, uh, when you guys went to do that first gig in Kent, Ohio, mm-hmm. did you go into that kind of with the reverberation of knowing that this could be a big step for you. Like oh, yeah. that this was a big, like this was a show that if you really killed it, mm-hmm. um, you could maybe leverage that into something. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, everything was very strategic, even to the point where we were debating what to do that night about where to stay because we wanted to be able to network with them afterwards. Mm-hmm. And we, Sort of, even though I don't know if it really was, but we went into the mindset of it as kind of an audition. Mm-hmm. We're auditioning to be their opening band on the road with them. Yeah. It's a very serious commitment for them to make because, sure. you know, sharing a show with someone is no joke. There's a lot that goes into it. And if you don't get along with the people, ugh. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that's a very... Um, positive kind of mindset for an individual or a band to mm-hmm. go into these opportunities, recognizing their, them as opportunities and saying, yeah, this is like an audition and treating it like that. Because actually every time you perform, 
you should treat absolutely you never know who's one person there if you kill it like there's 200 and it's just the one guy He's going to have the best fucking night ever. Exactly. And, and he's going to tell everyone. You never know what goes who on. Who knows who this dude is? You he never might, know how yeah, things grow. Exactly. And so it's, I think that's an important um, point of productive success. Yes, it is. To, yes, uh, it is. For make. sure. So, um, so do you, was a lot of this growth uh, like kind of enabled by the management that you guys secured for yourselves? I, and how did the management come? Like, did right. you guys find that person? If you can even talk about this, I don't know. Um, sure. I, I, I can, I can say what I know essentially, or at least what I've seen. And it's that Clinton Clegg, it, he has worked his butt off for mm-hmm. this. Um, not only is it his music that we're playing, but he has had countless meetings, sit downs with, some people who have given given us these opportunities. And like I said, the strategic mindset that we have a lot of times is really driven by him. His vision. His vision and, and he his his level of commitment and care to this project. Mm-hmm. And you can't help but totally follow suit with that because he he has he really thinks things through. And in turn, we've all started to do the same. And I think that that's still what's driving it. Mm-hmm. It's definitely helpful to be under an agency, don't get me wrong. And we've, we've gotten connections through them that we would not have gotten otherwise. Mm-hmm. But everything else really is still that sort of, I don't know, I guess grassroots type of thinking where you know it's it's Clinton's Help project and he he needs to and he's always thinking about how to he's not just leaving it to someone else right to handle yeah. and, mm-hmm. and therefore none of us are right so yeah mm-hmm. so is it uh, romantic being on the road I mean in that kind <laughs> of like, you know, the way people like I want to be in a rock and roll oh, band. Oh no, yeah, you know? yeah. But you're like, like you're actually living that dream. A, you're like actually farting all together in a in. Oh yeah, what's her name? Ruthie. Ruthie. Poor Ruthie. Poor Ruthie. <laughs> Ruthie's. Yeah, Ruthie's she seats her. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> we. I mean, I'll tell you what. The it's like it's definitely a write a book about it experience because yeah. and I know we haven't even began to like touch the surface of uh-huh. of what what it is to be on the road uh, in a band. But I mean, it's there are some things about it that are not glamorous. Yeah. Uh, have you found any challenges with balancing like this tour life with your personal life? Yes. So this year is my first year since graduating that I haven't taught full time. Mm -hmm. So that has been a bit of a blow financially, but it is also in the opposite direction, given me more time to basically, you know, do other things that I would have had to cram into a very small day. So in a way I've, my schedule has been freed up Mm -hmm. a little bit, but going out on the road for long periods of time is um, occasionally difficult on uh, my partner, especially. Mm-hmm. And she is such a, I mean, she's a champ. She's yeah. a champ. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes 
she's having a, a hard day and I might be uh, in one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen, you yeah, know? Right. And it, feel, it feels so bad. Uh, yeah, like because you can't I, send her all these pictures of beautiful sunsets. Exactly. Like, and be like, and, and Exactly. And she's, you know, at, at home feeling kind of lonely or something. It's yeah. very, you know. So uh, that, you know, but sometimes I call her and I'm having a bad day and she's sort of like, wow, yeah, just... I'm fine, so yeah. don't worry about me. Because usually it's because I'm worried about her. Oh, I see. Yeah. I have a fun question for you. Oh, boy. Maybe it's not fun. I don't know. But it just occurred <laughs> to me while talking to you because I have the opportunity to ask a sax player a question about this. How do you feel about, like, all the sax solos in the 80s, <laughs> Michael Bolton, all that kind of stuff? Yeah. What do you – do you like that? Do you, are you – do you kind of hate that? Yeah. Well, I I I like it. It's I I was um I think, you know, going back to the college thing, you go through a period of snobbery, mm-hmm. if you will, where you're taught that this is the best music, these are the best players, and while that is true where the you know, this is a sound that you want on the horn, maybe not that. I've learned I've learned to just completely Respect it for what it is. Yeah. That, maybe I never want to sound like that. Yeah. But it works. For that song, it works. Yeah. Because that's what works. That's what people want to hear. Have you you ever just, like, ripped that careless whisper? (laughs) All the time. Oh, it was if I could play the saxophone, man, I would basically only time. ever play that all the time. I, I actually I got up and ripped that on, on top of a bar once. Wow. It was a good moment in my wow. life. Oh, I wish yeah. I was there. I know. I wish everyone was there. Was some kind of weird <laughs> coyote ugly sax thing. Yeah, it was wild and I was super drunk. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't that great. I did that for Clinton's birthday. You did? Uh, oh yeah. Came down his steps. Aww. In his house and played it for him. And played Careless Whisper? Oh, yeah. Is that yeah. like the one that everyone's like, play that one? Oh, it, it gets requested all the time and I always deliver. Okay, so we uh, talked a little about a couple of women's issues. Like I wanted to ask you about the other women who play sax in the city. and um, Sax in the city? Oh, my God. Spinoff show. Oh, my ah! God. I didn't yeah. even do that. Oh, yeah. Oh, Good oh year. it's happening. We make it. We gotta Sax make it. In the Sax city. in the city. Yep. Sax in the city. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so let's talk about the piece that you brought today. This okay. is not a common heart piece. This is an individual work that mm-hmm. you have done because you've obviously you've played so much, but you've had other projects um, mm-hmm. in your life, and you also play with other projects still, yes. right? Yep. Uh, and you're always cool to play in other horn sections and stuff, but you have some original work. Mm-hmm. And so that's what this is? Yes. This isn't, is this like a quartet that you run or something? So uh, this particular recording is actually going to, hopefully, we're a little bit, um, it's kind of fallen to the wayside, but it's, uh, the purpose of it was to be an EP uh, for myself and Ron Horton, who Mm -hmm. is a trumpet player in Pittsburgh. Um, It's like six songs. He wrote three of them. I wrote three of them. We came together and we got, uh, he played trumpet, I played saxophone, and then we got a rhythm section. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, players in the city, uh, George Hyde played drums, um, Anton DeFay played bass, 
and Nick DeCesare played piano. Okay, so this is a group of people who are essentially like this, like young, the young generation yeah. here to fill in for the gap that's being yep. left. Yeah, and this behind. this is actually the first complete song I wrote. <laughs> really? Yeah. Ever? And, ever, yeah. And um, I wrote it a few years ago just to kind of try mm-hmm. to write and tried it out with a couple of different groups. I played it for a couple of years um, with other groups to, you know, and then finally when this project came along, I was like, okay, I, I think this belongs on here and mm-hmm. it needs to be, you know, need to get a really good recording of it. And I think I did. So what's the name of this song then? Oh, it's, uh, it's called Heirloom. And I wrote it for my uh, grandmother who, my, well, my great grandmother who was the musician. The organ player. Yes. That's great. So this obviously it's not lyrical. Right. Mm-hmm. It how does how do you write something that's about something without that's a using good question. words? <laughs> um I think it's sort of uh I guess the way that a lot of classical musicians would approach uh music where they would if 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 it were a piece that were about something certain instruments uh, using them in different ways to sort of maybe, I don't know, maybe one's a character or, um, you know, sort of with the saxophone and the trumpet, it's, um, a little bit of a conversation kind of, it's a bit of a back and forth, a little bit of counterpoint going on, but also syncing up every once in a while. And, uh, I just, I also, for me, it was just like such a beautiful melody that immediately, came to me and it's like I associated it with her. I immediately thought of her. And I think that's essentially what I was thinking about the whole time. And it drove what I did with it. So you sat down to try to write your very first Mm -hmm. full song. Mm -hmm. Did you sit down with your saxophone to noodle or did you sit down with like a staff and you're like writing notes. Yeah, down. I actually was messing around on the piano at piano. work one day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so you said, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. And then it came, a melody came to you mm-hmm. and you felt your grandma's essence. Yeah. yeah. Some kind of thing. Yeah. Spirit movement. Yeah. Something. Association. Yeah. And, and then you birthed it i guess i guess that's a way to put it <laughs> it, just came, it just came out <laughs> yeah it just <laughs> plopped out <laughs> well i'm sure it sounds better than i thought uh, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. and is it you wrote uh, there's sax and trumpet parts in this mm-hmm. and did you write all the parts like when you play it with a group all these different groups you tried to play it with did you yeah. give them things or did you give them concepts or did you say we're doing this you figure out what you're doing uh no i i gave them uh basically i gave them like the chord changes mm-hmm. and i said what uh, stylistically what I wanted it to be. And, but with that, it very much, what you hear was created by the musician themselves with basic guidelines, I Mm -hmm. guess. I see. So what's cool about it is it has turned out a little bit different every time. Cool. I'm really Mm -hmm. excited to, to listen to it. So let's give it a whirl.
You got to get that last <laughs> ting, 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 ting in there. You got to. Oh, yeah. Oh, I loved it. I felt Thank like. Um, I feel happy now. Right? I actually wrote. Good. Felt good. Felt good. <laughs> I wrote that down. You know what? That's great. I. That's that's <laughs> no for real. Like that. That makes me so happy that like you just you just like feels good. No, I tell that's you. That's all I want in the I world. I tell you what it felt like. I don't do this anymore, but I felt like I was taking a warm bath with a joint. Oh. And it was just so good. Sounds like a nice time. Dude, when I used to do that, that was a nice time. That's a nice time. That was a really nice time. Bring it time. back, 2018. Oh, my God. At least the with warm the bath part. I'll play recorder oh in the bathtub. Do How's that instead. Instead of a Do joint. Do that instead. I'll play the recorder. I'll give you the sheet music to Neighbors this song. Neighbors will love me. You can play it on the recorder. <laughs> wee, 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 yeah. wee. Your great grandma would just love it. She's watching from above. She is. She's, She'd see she's that. Loving it. She's like, feels good. Hey, do it That's in the all bubble that bath, matters. <laughs> um, I loved it. I love the harmonies between the horns and uh, the the like different pacings and movement and um but it even though it would get more active it was still so super chill mm -hmm. uh i just felt i felt good good i felt good <laughs> listening to it and um and it was really cool and it, i mean as a first song you ever wrote to full completion mm -hmm. FNA, that's really great. Yeah, it's, it turned out pretty nice. Yeah. <laughs> Did the parts that you and, um, I'm sorry, what's his name again? The trumpet guy? Ron. Ron, right, yep. Ron. Do the parts that you and Ron play, are they, uh, or, like, you have written them out very specifically, or is mm -hmm. there some variation that you go from time to time? No, I, I wrote those parts out very specifically. Uh, the funny thing is that's the first time I had played the part I played because normally it was me playing his part mm -hmm. on alto and then I'd play with a tenor player. That's oh. how it started. That's how I wrote it. Uh -huh. But it's funny because I wrote it that way because that's who I was playing with. Yeah. But when we got to the studio and he actually, he played it on flugelhorn and it's, it's like, as soon as that was, as soon as he started playing, I was like, that is what this song, th that instrument was meant for this yeah. melody. Uh -huh. Like, it's like immediately I found the color that I had always wanted yeah. in that. And I was like, oh, just give him that part and I'll just play the other one. <laughs> it was That's so beautiful. Yeah, it was great. What is the future for you? So you're playing, obviously, with a common heart. Mm -hmm. You're going to keep doing that. Is is that the sort of making it you hoped for when you started playing music? or Or would you prefer to ultimately have your like a group like this that's like yours and you know like yeah, you're I'm, taking it out. No, I'm I'm loving this whole I have a very specific role mm -hmm. in this band mm -hmm. and it is it is not for me to be up front up front center. Uh, I don't mind that. I can do it. Um, sometimes I hate the way I sound on a microphone when I'm trying to talk to a crowd. Uh, I feel like I'm the worst MC in the world. What? Uh, Look but, at all these jokes you got. I know, but you know when I when it's when it's that setting though, I'm always just kind of like, oh, here's a song I wrote. I hope you like it, but oh. it's not that great. You know, it's like just immediately downplaying everything that's happening oh. before it happens. It's like, oh, I shouldn't do that, but it's like my default, I guess. Self-effacing. 
yeah. gesture. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'll try to t- I'll try to be like a human and tell a story and I feel I always feel like it comes out really weird and <laughs> or I end up taking it too far and they're they just kinda like they were with me for a second and then they're looking at me a little funny like yeah. uh what my bass so. starts to play a little tune when i start that's, to go on too long and i'm like i hear you i'm everyone still finishing needs my story yeah everyone <laughs> needs that everyone needs a, i need it i need it all the time too even right now yeah i just need like i need it no, i need it yeah it. i need the boat no i hook. need it i need no, it i need it i need it no me i'm gonna play the recorder <laughs> Drown you out. <laughs> and then I'm really going to get the Bo Peep hook. So. Nice. Yeah. That's a good idea. Nobody wants. Nobody wants. I actually really think I'm pretty good on the recorder, guys. Okay. This is clearly the time where we need some music to go. Yeah, get yeah. off the stage, girls. Exactly. So we'll just do it to ourselves. This like is really, it. really fun to talk to you. I learned a lot uh, about just everything. And... Um, <laughs> And especially you. All the things. All the things. Yeah. I just loved it. You're so, welcome. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. This is just so great. So thanks for yeah. coming on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. It was a blast. What a treat. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you again soon. All right. Sounds okay. good. Have fun with JJ Gray and Mo. Oh, thank, thank you. You're in the common heart. Sure will. All sure right. will. Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to Petticoat Rule galvanizing women in musical creativity. The views and opinions expressed during the show are solely those of persons appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the producers. Subscribe and find more information and episodes at petticoatrule.net. Follow us on Facebook at Petticoat Rule and on Instagram and Twitter at Petticoat Rule FM. 